It's time once again for a look into God's infallible book as we welcome you to another edition of the Riches of Grace. My name is Richard Jordan, and it's my privilege to be your host and Bible teacher each week as we meet together right here uh, to look into the pages of the Word of God and allow the Spirit of God to teach us from His Word. This program is brought to you by Christian people who believe the Bible to be the Word of God and who appreciate its power and authority. And our one goal, our one aim, is to help you to understand and enjoy God's Word so that God's Word can go to work in your life. It can work effectually in you that believe. There will never be anything as exciting in your life as to have the excellency, the power of God's Word working effectually in your life on a daily basis. That comes only as your faith rests in an intelligent understanding of God's Word to you. And that's why when we, as we meet together each week, we look into the pages of the Scripture and seek to study God's Word God's way so as to be able to help you to understand God's Word for yourself. The Bible is meant to be understood. I remember just as a young man that, that thought grabbing me and, and, and gripping my heart and the excitement of, of knowing that God intended me to understand His Word. Well, that excitement, I've never gotten over it uh, because that's something that works in your heart you know, Paul says that God works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. And that's not some thing where God sits across, you know, the heavens and just looks down and kind of just shoots you with a, a dart gun. And no, that doesn't happen. Like, the way God works in you to will and do his good pleasure is through his word. And that's why we, we look each week right here. And I'm glad you're with us today. I, I appreciate you joining us, and I hope you'll make it a habit to be with us. Today I want to introduce you to someone who uh, seeks to, to play a, a, a significant part uh, in, in your life. Um, though he, frankly, purposes to do it clandestinely, sort of behind the scenes, uh, with the curtain drawn. Um, I'm talking about His Majesty, the devil. You ever understood, you come to realize that Satan is described in the Bible as the God of this world. When people talk about man being religious by nature, the problem isn't being religious, the problem is having the right God to worship. Satan is the God that the world worships. He's called in Ephesians 2, he's called the prince of this world. He's he's the one who wants to run the government. Ephesians 6 talks about the rulers of the darkness of this world. That's Satan. That's his Majesty, the devil. There's a startling verse in Second Timothy chapter 2 when Paul, writing to Timothy about other believers who've fallen under the influence of, of Satan, he, he actively seeks to have an influence in your life. And Paul talks about some people that he has influenced. And he, and he talks to them in the last verse in Second Timothy 2, and he says that they, they need to recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him, that is by the devil, at his will. It's a startling fact to learn that Satan, the devil, actually has a will for your life. Now to under, understand that, you're going to have to understand him. And in order to understand him, you're going to have to go and, and look in God's word about what God has to say about him. Satan has a will, he has a plan, he has a purpose, and it's aimed at you. 
And that makes this a serious issue. You know, people like to talk about the will of God for your life, and we certainly do that here a lot. But you also need to understand there's the will of the adversary. So let's start at the beginning, will we? Now, in order to do that, go back to in your Bible, get Isaiah chapter number 14. And Isaiah 14, verse number 12, speaking about, now this is a prophetic passage, looking into the future from where we are today. Actually, it's a passage that describes some events that take place after the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, where he's put down uh, the, the, the satanic rebellion, headed up and personified in the person that we call the Antichrist. And the nation Israel, as they take take uh, uh, Satan away to be cast into the in, into hell and into the bottomless pit, they they taunt him. In fact, uh, the passage calls it a proverb. They mock him, and they describe his original intent. And why this passage is important is that it, it, it's though it's a future event, it goes it looks back to what Satan's original intention was, and they mock him for his failure. Isaiah 14, verse 12, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart. So here's what he did say originally in his heart. But before we get to that, notice the title that he had. He's called O Lucifer, son of the morning. He was the, he was the, 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 uh, the light bearer. Uh, the word Lucifer, uh, Luke's Pharaoh, it, it's, it comes from a Latin uh, base, and it means the light bearer. In his original creation, Satan uh, was not Satan. He wasn't, the, he wasn't the adversary. He wasn't the devil. He literally was originally the light bearer. Now, in his current condition, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, Paul says that, that we've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Ephesians 6 talks about the rulers of the darkness of this world. Well, the power of darkness and the, and the rulers of darkness, a spiritual darkness, spiritual wickedness, Paul calls it in Ephesians 6.12. Well, how did, he, how did Satan move from being the light bearer to the one who is in possession of the power of darkness? First John 1 John 1.5 says that God is light and him is no darkness at all. Become the exact opposite, the enemy to the extreme of the God of creation. Well, how did that happen? And, and what does it mean to us? Well, in order to see how it happened, uh, Ezekiel chapter number 28 describes how Satan became Satan. Describes who he was when he was Lucifer. And then how the transition from being Lucifer the light bearer to being the prince of darkness, Grim, Luther called him. Uh, you remember the song, The Mighty Fortress is Our God, the prince of darkness, Grim, we tremble not for him. Well, how did he, how did he move from one to the other? Well, the, pro- the progression uh, is described for us in Ezekiel chapter number 28. And if you begin at verse number 12, and I'm, I'm going uh, yeah, to, you, you could, do the first ten verses of the chapter, where he's um, this, where, where the discourse talks about the prince of Tyrus, but in verse number twelve he takes up the description of the king of Tyrus, and again this is a prophecy of Ezekiel looking into the future at the the ministry of the man we call the Antichrist, 
The Antichrist functions, Paul says in Second Thessalonians 2, under two titles, the man of sin and the son of perdition. The first half of his career, he's the man of sin, described here as the prince of Tyrus. Then the second half of his career, he's the son of perdition. That's where he's described here in this passage, and verse 12 and following is the king of Tyrus. But it's the same person. And it's not the king of Tyrus on the earth during Ezekiel's day, because as you will see as we read the description, this is obviously a supernatural creature who was in the presence of God before the fall of anybody. Uh, this will be Satan as the prince of this world, as the god of this world, as the king of all the children of pride. He's being he, he, The king of Tyrus is just his dupe, his representative. And he's, he's the one who is the power behind the throne, as it were. Revelation chapter 13 says that, that the dragon gave the power to the beast. In other words, he gave power uh, to, to, uh, uh, to, to have the authority of the throne. He's the power behind the throne, as it were. That's who. So we're going to be listening, going to be reading about the career of Satan, and you're going to see here why I call him his majesty, the devil. Uh, listen, listen to what Luke uh, Ezekiel says, and you need to write this down and read it for yourself, by the way. I don't know where you are listening today. Maybe you're getting, you know, you're getting dressed to 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 go out. Maybe you're riding in an automobile. Most people that listen to the radio are are on the move. They're not necessarily at home. So I don't want you to, you know, to to have a problem. Uh, but write Ezekiel 28 down and read it for yourself, uh, and and it would do you good. Uh, I'll give you a phone number at the end of the program that you can call and and, and an address that you can write, and we'd be glad to send you. Uh, the audio of this message, this study today, and others that, that would go along this, our desire is to put into your hands the ability to understand God's word for yourself. And uh, the only way you'll do that is to read it. And uh, so I encourage you to do that. Ezekiel 28, verse 12. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, um, when he says take up a, a lamentation, a lamentation is a is a song of sorrow. Uh, somebody done me wrong song. <laughs> so we, so Satan's songs are going to be the uh, somebody done me wrong song. And here's the original one. Say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Notice the guy had a he had a very uh, special position. He was on the top. He was on the top mentally. Thou sealest up the sum. You're the top guy. Full of wisdom. He was a genius mentally. Perfect in beauty. Physically, he was a the, the most handsome, wonderful, spectacular presentation physically anyone ever was. Thou hast been in, in Eden, the garden of God. Uh, he, he was in this very privileged environment, uh, very privileged position, in Eden, the garden of God, every precious stone was thy covering. He had very special clothing that was given to him. They were made of precious stones, the sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, and gold. Those stones, if you go in Ezekiel, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 25, for example, in Exodus 28, when you see God give to the nation Israel a high priest to, to lead the priest of Israel, one of the things that they had was a, a, a clothing 
and it was covered with precious stones that represented each of the tribes of Israel. Satan, originally as Lucifer, was was a genius mentally. He was the most beautiful creature ever created physically. He was in a perfect environment, and he had clothing. He had on this uniform that that demonstrated that he was the the leader of the worship of God. He had a, he literally had high priestly garments on, and uh, he he was in an official capacity as one who led creation in the worship of God. The workmanship of his tablets and of his pipes were of thy pipes were prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Notice he's a created being. He didn't always exist. God created him. And he created him with tabrets and pipes. <laughs> and I read that and I say, wow, that's, a, that, that's musical instruments. Uh, he, he had all of these percussion and, and, and wind instruments in his spirit and inside of him. So he was filled with joy. Uh, to to uh, uh, to accomplish his master's his master's bidding, he was a creature who was made by God to lead creation in the worship and the execution of God's plan. In fact, verse fourteen says, "Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. I have set thee so." Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou walkest up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in all thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. Notice he was he's the anointed cherub that covereth. Anointed, that's the, that's the word for Christ. The Hebrew word we say in English, Messiah. In the Greek language you would say that anointed, you would say Christ. Christos. In other words, he was created and placed in this anointed position. That's why, by the way, in Acts chapter 4, they talk about the Lord's Christ, (laughs) the Lord's anointed, because the Lord Jesus Christ is the Lord's anointed one. But here's one who was divinely appointed to be the leader of, of creation. He's the anointed cherub, in other words, he's a Christ that covereth. He covered over the throne of God. You, you, you'll recall that there, the, the cherubs uh, were, were seated around the presence of God. They guarded, as it were, the presence of God. And, and they, they covered, he, he, this one covered. There, there's still four cherubs there, one at each one of the corners of the throne of, of God. You see them in Revelation chapter 4, you see them in Ezekiel chapter 1, Ezekiel chapter 10. Those living creatures, those cherub that are around the throne. You'll recall in Genesis 3 when God put Adam and Eve out of the garden, he set a cherub to guard the way. <laughs> cherub are, are uh, a commission with the responsibility of guarding the integrity, the holiness of God. And he was the anointed cherub that covered. When you cover something, you protect it. The issue was God's integrity. And God's integrity has been the issue. That, that issue was made clear from the very start of his creation. And that's why Satan attacks the integrity of God. And you will see that as we go on. His plan is to attack God's integrity and right to justly and rightly sit upon that throne. I've set thee so, he said. 
God appointed him to these positions. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. In the Bible, mountains represent government. He walked up and down in the midst of the fire. He was living in the presence of God, and he was possessed, he possessed the right to walk up and down. The, he, he, he carried the light, as it were. He's the, the light bearer. And he walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. He, he had this place of visible glory. Uh, where, where the, where the high priest stood before, before, uh, the multitudes to minister. And there he stood. That was perfect. God made him so. Why wouldn't God do that? Everything God makes is perfect. In all thy ways. He executed everything God had for him to do, and he did it completely, and he did it perfectly. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created. He's not a man. Because Adam was the only man that was created. This is a creature in what we call the angelic realm. Now, he wasn't an angel, he's a cherub, but he's a different race of creature in the angelic realm. But he's a creation. And he was perfect till iniquity was found in him. Here's the creature. Here's the individual who introduced self-will into the universe. The attitude of self-worship and self-will was introduced into the universe by Lucifer. And that's when he became, he, he transitioned between being Lucifer, the light bearer, the one who would lead creation in the worship of God himself, carrying God, God is light, carrying God's word out, God's intention out. This is where he transitioned from that to being the prince of darkness, Grimm and having the power, the authority of darkness. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all, the total, complete absence of God, ungodliness, if you will. Where did sin come from? Where did ungodliness come from? Where did iniquity come from? The verse tells you. It was introduced into the universe by Lucifer, who had the most privileged position of all creation, until he turned that... First Timothy, Paul says that, that, that he was not to be lifted up by, by, that Satan was lifted up by pride and fell. His sin was pride. You know what the middle letter of the word pride is? It's the same as the middle letter of the word sin. It's also, by the way, the same as the middle letter of the word Lucifer, the word I. And what Satan did when he transitioned from being the light bearer, the son of the morning, to being the prince of darkness grim, was he developed his independent, I'm going to live independently of God. And we'll have to come back to the passage in a future study, but in Isaiah chapter number 14, we get a description of exactly what the, the plan that he developed was what the, the, the self-will was, because in Isaiah 14, five times, he says, I will, I will, I will. Not what God's will, not what God wants, but what I want. And that's the essence of, of, of the rebellion that, uh, that Satan fostered. That's the essence of, of what he uh, developed as his wise plan. You see, he was the most beautiful creature God had made. 
He's the anointed cherub that covers. He's over the throne of God. Revelation chapter number 4 says that the throne of God sits upon a sea of glass, of crystal, pure, uh, smooth glass. Well, you know, if, you, if you're a creature of light and you're looking down at God himself and God's throne sits upon a sea of glass, that sea of glass would be like a mirror. If you ever walked down the street and seen people walking down the street looking in the mirror, in the window, window shopping, what are they really doing? Well, you know what you're really doing. You're looking at yourself, your own reflection in the, in the window. That's what you're really doing. You're not window shopping, walking past stuff. You want to window shop, you stop and look in, get up close so you can see through your reflection. But you see people walking down the street and you know what you do. You're, you're really looking at yourself, your reflection, you know, hold it in, suck it in, stick it out, do whatever. Make it look good. I'm looking okay today, or maybe I don't look quite so good today. Well, Satan got caught up in self-admiration. And he developed the idea that he had better ideas than God himself, and that he ought to be the one sitting on the throne of his life, running all of creation. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1 describes the lie program that the devil developed. You see, Satan developed a program and a plan, a philosophy. He went out, Ezekiel 28 says, and he, and he merchandised it among the angelic creation. Just as God's program is called truth, in the Bible, Satan's program is called the lie. He's the father of it, Romans 8, uh, John 8, Jesus said. And that lie program of Satan, Paul describes it in Romans chapter 1, verse 25 this way, who changed the truth of God into a lie. Now here he's talking about people, people like you and me, who have bought into and become followers of Satan's wisdom instead of God's wisdom. The wisdom of the prince of this world, the wisdom of the world, rather than the wisdom of God that comes from his word. And when that happens, Romans 1.21, he says, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was dark, and professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God. And verse 25 says, they changed the truth of God into a lie. They exchanged God's truth out of his word for Satan's lie program, and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Do you see what the lie is there? The lie is to worship and serve the creature more than the creator, attributing to the creature what only belongs to God. That's the basis of the lie program. The basis of it is the deification of the creature. Taking your will, or the will of someone like you, a creature, and putting it against God's will. His majesty the devil the God of this world, the prince of this world, the king of all over all the children of pride, Job 41 calls him, he desires to run your life. He has a will. He has a plan that he's executing in this world. He has a plan and a will that he wants executed in your life. And it has to do with worshiping and serving the creature more than the creator. It has to do with you following your independence. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone into our own way. 
That's the Bible's greatest definition of sin. You're going to do it your way, not God's way. Well, we're going to have to talk about this more in, the, in our next studies because there's a lot more to it. I'm just trying to say to you today, the startling fact is Satan has a will for your life. Could I share with you a Bible study entitled The Will of the Devil for You? I'd like to give that to you. I'd like you to be informed about this so that you can be, you know, if you're informed about it, if you're warned about it, you can be prepared to face it. And so that you can find the place where truth is and how in God's word God has given you truth that liberates Jesus said, if you, you should know the truth and the truth will set you free. It'll set you free from the, the error and the lie program. The will of the devil for your life. You call me at our toll-free number, 888-535-2300, and I'll see that you get a free copy. 888-535-2300. 888-535-2300. That's the number to call. I'd be glad to see that you get a free copy. We'd also be honored to have you with us today at Shorewood Bible Church. We meet this morning at 9.30, at 10.45, and at 6 p.m. Uh, this evening. Our church building is located at 1900 Hicks Road in Rolling Meadows. Um, if you know where the Arlington Park race course is, it, it's at Highway 53 in Euclid. Well, instead of going east to the race course off of Highway 53, if you go west, the first street you come to is Hicks Road, and we're just to the north of there. 1900 Hicks Road, Rolling Meadows. 888-535-2300 is the number to call if you'd like to, more information. You can also join us uh, on our website, shorewoodbiblechurch.org shorewoodbiblechurch.org and uh, you can get information there we're trying to be easy for you to locate because we've got some life changing and transforming information to put into your hands that can make your life uh, one that, uh, that where, where the joy that you know in the gospel ought to be there, will be there thanks for being with us today, till we meet again this same time next week, Maranatha <laughs>